Capturing images of people across China, exploring its ever-changing lifestyles, and feeling the heartbeat of its villages, towns, and cities. This is Selfie. This is Selfie. Giving you real-life stories in China. 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 Remember who you are. Respect the balance of the circle of life, and respect all creatures. Disney's movie *The Lion King* tells a story about the true meaning of responsibility and bravery. Like the lion Simba, a real-life lion king in northern China's Inner Mongolia has assumed the responsibility for greening his hometown and practices bravery with his fellow townsmen. For over 30 years, they have tamed the seventh-largest desert in China, making their birthplace and home the Kubuqi Desert, a green and better place to live. This is my destiny and mission. I accept that. Although it's hard, I accept it. As I was born in the desert, the desert is my home. This is 60-year-old Wang Wenbiao, nicknamed the Son of the Desert. He has been greening his hometown for more than 30 years. From being afraid of walking into the desert to loving it, I spent 30 years. It was important to give nature the chance to transform itself. It's important for humans to live in harmony with nature. When you respect and follow the laws of nature, everything works itself out. We want to stay here to witness our hometown get better, and our family will get better too. Led by Wang, these people, old and young, are all born in the Kubuqi Desert. It's over 18,000 square kilometers of golden sand dunes in Inner Mongolia. These indigenous people have been fighting desertification for more than 30 years, from generation to generation, like relay runners. All of them say they want to make their hometown more livable and more beautiful. But are they able to fulfill their dream? Let's discover what the Kubuqi Desert is like today. Fifty-eight-year-old herdsman Jiren Haoyaer is singing in her 106-square-meter house in the desert. She says that she loves singing, especially when she sees the beautiful landscape of the Kubuqi Desert, and she reminisces about the changes in her life over the past three decades. My life has undergone great changes. In the past, I had to go out to collect cow dung and firewood before we cooked meals. But now, all we need to do is to turn on the gas stove. There was no lighting, no roads, no communication, no ways to make money before. Life was really hard at that time. Most indigenous people from the Kubuqi Desert used to lead a nomadic life on degraded land and faced severe sandstorms. They couldn't get access to electricity, clean water, healthcare, or education three decades ago. But today, Jiren Haoyaer runs a small restaurant in a desert tourism area, while her husband takes care of the grazing duties for the family. This life brings the couple an income of two hundred thousand yuan a year. Like Jiren Haoyaer, there are thirty-five other families in the village making their living by grazing and tourism. 
However, grazing and tourism are not the only sources of income in today's Kubuti Desert. 56-year-old Yang Fengxiang is a local farmer who's taking care of 13 hectares of cornfields as well as some livestock at the solar farm. My income has increased in leaps and bounds. Look at the sheep and geese and the cornfield. I make at least 100,000 yuan a year out of them. In the past, we made no money from this saline and alkaline land. When I was in my twenties, there wasn't even a blade of grass here, and no one dared to walk into the desert alone. If you walked behind someone, you wouldn't be able to see the footprints of the person 10 meters away from you, because the wind was constantly blowing across the sand. You would often see the bones of cows or camels that had been dead for years. Yang Fengxiang currently works at the solar farm in the Kubuti Desert, is operated by a local enterprise, the E-Line Resources Group. 650,000 fixed and sun-tracking panels channel 1,000 megawatts of electricity into the national grid. The chief engineer and head of the solar farm, Tian Junting, says 57 poverty-stricken households are currently employed to work at the solar farm. Their jobs include cleaning the solar panels and taking care of the plants and livestock that live on the farm. We have 57 poverty-stricken households clean the solar panels four times a year. The cleaning provides these families an extra 32,000 yuan income per year. Besides, we have crops growing underneath the panels, along with raising chickens, ducks, and geese as well. Our company, Alliance, provides fences, grass, cuts for the chickens, land, and complementary production and living facilities. We purchase the crops upon harvest. Yang says he doesn't have to pay for expenses such as electricity for farming or for accommodation to live at the solar farm. This solar farm project is helping poverty-stricken families. All of the earnings from the crops and livestock come to us, and the farmland is good for growing crops after it was restored by the company. These are several breeds of chicken. Look at these crops. The plants underneath the solar panel grow much taller than those without them. The solar panel don't affect their exposure to sunlight as they rotate to follow the sun. The solar farm is just one of the projects the enterprises established in the desert. Since 1988, the company has partnered with local people and the government to combat desertification. The model is known as a Public-Private People Partnership, or PPP. The rights to unused land were transferred to the Enterprise E-Line. The company then planned out the desert control measures and took the lead in carrying out the plan. The local farmers and herdsmen who collectively owned the land were paid by Eli for its use of their land rights, and they were given jobs by the company. And the desertification project was supervised by the government. Here is the founder of the company, Wang Wenbiao, who has been fighting against the desert for 30 years. He established the Eli Resources Group. 
Nowadays, there are lots of multi-million yuan households in the Kabuchi Desert. After the government provided each household the right to use several hundred square kilometers of land, they leased their land to our enterprise. Other than the lease income, they also earn salaries from the company. Wang Wenbiao explained that the land repair and reforestation projects are driven by market demand. Elan utilizes the vast desert as a financing platform to attract investment for environmental restoration and eco-industry development. After three decades of desert control and land restoration measures, one third of the Kubuti Desert has been grained. Having 6,000 kilometers of desert turned into sustainable greenland that produces agricultural output has generated about 5.1 billion U.S. dollars of gross ecosystem production. The vast area of restored land now provides indigenous people with arable land for crops, and the improved climate offers them more opportunity to run local tourism businesses. Like the herdsman Jiren Haoyar, many locals have started running their own restaurants and tourist lodges. Other locals choose to lease their desert land to Eline and become partners with the company. Some of them are then employed by Eline to plant trees and raise cattle for a salary, just like the farmer Yang Fengxiang. After the desert was transformed into an oasis, the cattle and sheep could graze here again. Secondary industries sprung up. Tourists have started flocking to local hotels and restaurants when they're not exploring the sand dunes. The income of the local farmers and herdsmen has dramatically increased over the past three decades. The Kubuti model of fighting desertification illustrates how private firms partnered with local people and government can tackle environmental degradation, boost people's livelihoods, and safeguard the planet. But how did this model get started? The Kubuti native Wang Wenbiao was the first person to plant trees in this desert back in 1988. I was born in the desert. During my childhood, there were two things that troubled me. One was that the sand in the desert was extremely hot and burnt my feet when I went to school barefoot. The other was that not much food grew in this saline and alkaline desert land. When I was about 10 years old, I remember thinking why the desert was there in my hometown and why no one could remove or conquer it. In 1988, after the then 29-year-old took over a near bankrupt salt works in the middle of the desert, he began planting trees there. In the 1990s, for the first time, I made a lot of effort to enter the Kabuchi Desert. First, by riding a camel, and then by using a crawler tractor. Before that, I had never been into the heart of the desert. Although I grew up in one, no one could journey there. As the salt works was located in the middle of the desert, we had to deal with transportation problems. It wasn't only hard to bring people in, but also hard to get our products transported out of the desert. And meanwhile, workers struggled with sandstorms every day at the time. That's why I became determined to tame the desert. Sparing five yuan out from each ton of salt he produced, Wang Wenbiao organized a team of 27 workers to start planting trees around the salt works. I remember we brought several thousand saplings to the desert, but most of them died. So I was wondering whether it was really possible to grow trees in the desert. In the years that followed, I kept looking for ways to plant trees. 
I invited lots of tree planting experts to the desert, but all they did was shake their heads since they didn't have any relevant experience. In fact, most of the information on desertification in textbooks was not applicable to the Kabuchi. No one told us in the textbook that we could manage the desert by dividing it into three parts and using different methods. This was inspired by the ancient Chinese classic, The Art of War. Eli's desert control plan was carried out by tackling the easiest part first, then developing tailor-made plans to tackle the other parts of the desert. In 1999, a 115-kilometer-long highway through the middle of the desert opened to traffic, but it was quickly swallowed by sand. However, they didn't give up, and eventually, the three areas were divided by roads separated into conservation and restoration areas and an economic zone. The president of the E-Line Group in Changguo is considered the second generation of desert control warriors. Desertification cannot be controlled by one or two households because you need to restore the overall environment. Large-scale and systematic control measures are needed to help nature revive its capability to restore itself. It's like helping someone who is sick. The doctor needs to help with their functional recovery rather than simply relieving their pain. The conservation area is known as the no-man's land. Because of its fragile ecology, the conservation area was set aside. No industrial activity takes place there. Zhao Xingwang has been in charge of this area since 1995. He is a member of the third generation of desert control warriors. Here we are standing on the no man's land in the west of the desert. We have built up 260 kilometers of guard line from east to west for the conservation area in order to give nature the chance to restore itself. Previously, no plants could be grown in this area, but through our large-scale seeding of drought-enduring plants as well as natural rainfall, the environment has been restored a lot. Annual precipitation in this area has increased from less than 80 millimeters to more than 280 millimeters. At the beginning, all the planting relied on huge crowds of manpower using traditional seeding methods. But since 2005, we started to seed using new technology. As a result, in only five years, we planted trees in a 2,000 square kilometer area. With traditional planting, greening the 2,000 square meters of desert would have taken 20 years. But with new technology, we spent only five years greening it. Zhang Jishu is a researcher and department head at the Kubuti Desert Eco-Technology Research Center. He says that new technology has greatly improved how efficiently they can plant new life in the desert. Everyone had to carry a shovel, a sapling and water into the desert to plant trees before we got new technology. Once they entered the desert, they would stay in extremely hot weather for the whole day, without any shade from trees. They had to bring some pancakes and drinking water. It was very hot at that time, without any off-road vehicles or roads. But now, we've got planting tractors, off-road vehicles and paved roads, as well as lots of new technology, which has greatly improved our efficiency at planting trees. A minimally invasive planting technique has been used since 2005. High-pressure water tubes are used to drill holes deep in the sands, so that the roots of the seedlings are fully protected against the movement of the sand dunes. As a consequence, the survival of the saplings has been greatly improved with this technique.
Compared to the traditional ways of planning by digging holes, the planning efficiency has been increased 14-fold, saving over 12,000 yuan per hectare. The head of the conservation area, Zhao Xingwang, says, compared to greening flat land, planting bushes on sand dunes requires special technology. To grip the shifting sands, special bushes are planted on wind-walled slopes so that the sand on the crest of the dunes is blown off by the wind. Gradually lowering the sand dune. Look at these large sand dunes. This is a comparatively hard area to do desert control, so we must use special technology, such as planting bushes on the windward slopes of the dunes, but avoiding the crest area, so that the wind will bit and bit blow off the top of the sand dunes without any grip by the bushes, making the sand dunes lower and lower, so they finally disappear. So far, this method has helped to reduce the average height of the sand dunes in Kobuchi by one third. Elon has invented more than 100 types of environmental technology. That is put to use to ensure that the plants survive in the harsh environment, in order for the restoration work to be sustainable. Elon has also developed technology to plant trees using drones that take less than a minute to deploy seeds with protective coats. The protective coats help the seedlings to survive and grow. Next to the no man's land is the repaired ecological area, where a vast licorice farm is located. Licorice doesn't require much water and can be sold in large amounts for use in traditional Chinese medicine. Here is the researcher Zhang Jishu from the Kubuqi Desert Eco Technology Research Center. Licorice's root is an integral part of many TCM treatments. We all know the saying that if there are 10 TCM prescriptions, nine would need the root of licorice. Licorice farming is not only profitable; it's also an efficient way of reclaiming desert land. Bai Xiaodong, the assistant to general manager of Eline Greenland Technology, says licorice grows well in desert climates. This makes it good for curbing desertification. It also increases soil fertility. Licorice is able to fix nitrogen and turn it to fertilizer. Therefore, after three to five years of growing licorice, we can use the fertilized land to host other crops. We planted the licorice horizontally rather than vertically, which made it possible for it to survive and grow. One licorice plant is able to reclaim one square meter of desert, ten times more than what we could do before. Bai Xiaodong says Elan encouraged the local people to grow licorice on the farm. The company provided them with licorice seedlings, training, and support. When they harvested the roots, the company bought them at a fair price. Through this business model, the desert has been turning green, and the local residents have found a way to earn their bread. So far, 162 households have been lifted out of poverty. On the 1,300 hectares of licorice farm that Elan has developed since 2017, fruits and vegetables are also grown on the farm. Bai Xiaodong says they grow various crops in the farm, including peanuts, potatoes, tomatoes, watermelon, and grapes. We have spared 200 mu, which is about 13 hectares of land, for our smart agricultural greenhouse. Every year, we've tried planting different vegetables and fruit, so that we can learn which crops grow best in this climate. Then we can adjust the type of plants we grow. 
So far, potatoes are the best performers. The smart agricultural greenhouse is working with several online businesses. The fruits and vegetables are mostly pre-ordered before they ripen. The president of the Eline Group in Chengguo explains how it works. The organic land of Eline is what we have restored and reclaimed from the desert, with an area of 100,000 mu or 6,700 hectares. The amount of organic land is continuing to grow. Besides licorice and fruit and vegetable planting, there are also one million sheep and one hundred thousand cows there. We've already got forty online business partners that use us as their green agricultural product base. We have been working to develop a chain of circular industries here in the desert. By greening the desert using high-protein bushes, we've harvested high-protein feed for the livestock and improved the soil with droppings from the livestock. With the fertile soil, we grow agricultural products and have the potential to be one of the greenest agricultural product bases. Today, Eli's desert business includes land restoration, livestock management, ecotourism, green industries, and solar energy. These businesses are distributed in different areas, with land restoration mainly in the conservation area, livestock and tourism in the restored region, and solar energy and green industry in the economic development zone, which only hosts low-carbon industries. The Kubuchi model is about the balance between the economy, society, and people's livelihoods. Market-oriented concepts, industrial methods, large-scale desert control, and technology are key. What's more, respecting the capacity of the land forces us to only plan for industries that the land can cope with. As a result, these industries can help to further improve the environment, people's livelihood, and the local economy. Kubuchi's experience in combating desertification and improving land management has been shared with the international community since 2007 through the biannual Kubuchi Desert Forum. The executive secretary of the United Nations Convention to Combat Desertification, Ibrahim Thao, says Kubuchi's model has turned the problem of desertification into a business opportunity. Even if you need to convince someone who doesn't care about nature or poverty or what happens to the next generation, restoring our land still makes business case. The Kubuchi restoration alone could be worth nearly two billion dollars over 50 years. The more people those efforts can lift out of poverty, onto the power grid, and into education or healthcare, then the more consumers and employers could be available for business. The returns of taking action at the global level are estimated at five U.S. dollar for every single dollar invested in land restoration. Filippo, a correspondent for the Italian newspaper La Repubblica, says he is interested in the story of Kubuzi's desert control and the Eline Group. I'm curious about their project to contain the spread of the desert because I think it's a very important、uh, project for, I mean, the whole mankind. And、uh, it's nice to hear that it's one also of the priorities of the Chinese government, and there's private companies working on it. Lucid waters and lush mountains are invaluable assets. 
China values ecological and environmental protection highly, based on the conviction of Chinese President Xi Jinping. He said clear waters and green mountains are not contrary to economic benefit. The key is to find a balance between the ecological environment and economic benefit. As an enterprise born in the desert 30 years ago, we have our responsibility and mission to accomplish the ecological development of our country. We have seen huge business potential in desertification control. Elin needs to seize this opportunity. In the future, we will promote the Kupuchi model to other places around the country and around the world, especially how to tackle the sand problem and grow the economy at the same time. About two billion people around the world are now living under the threat of desertification. In Chengguo, added that there are great opportunities for Eli under the Belt and Road Initiative. We have talked about desert control, saline soil reclamation, and so on with potential partners in the Middle East, Nigeria, Pakistan, and Uzbekistan. Elin is now at a very significant stage of transformation, with lots of opportunities. In the future, we hope to make ourselves a green industry service provider. However, In Chengguo says his company still faces some challenges. How shall we develop green finance for ecological restoration and environmental protection, such as green bonds, loans, insurance, funds, and stock equity? How shall we make use of these financial tools to support the development of green industry? We have been making efforts to explore that. Meanwhile, we hope that assessment mechanisms can be established by the government, such as how to measure the value of Kubuchi's ecological assets. The Chinese government has placed a lot of emphasis on protecting the environment and has made substantial headway in preventing and controlling desertification. Here is Wang Zhigang, the Minister of Science and Technology. In the future, China is going to make scientific and technological innovation the key to environmental protection and development. In accordance with the laws of nature, we will establish and improve ecological protection and restoration mechanisms, which are monitored by the government, driven by the market, led by enterprises, and participated in by the people. Wang says that scientific and technological innovations for combating desertification will be improved, and several world-class desertification research centers will be constructed in the near future. He also says that making desert control technologies part of poverty relief will be further encouraged. Today, many young people are working in the desert oasis for Eline. Li Xiangru, who was born in the 1990s in Kubuti, is the department head of the Kubuti Desert Research Center. Look at this plant, Tetrina. Its records start 700 billion years ago, the same era as the dinosaurs. We revived it through tissue culture plantlets. I've got so much sense of accomplishment for doing this. Li has been working in the Botanic Institute since 2013, after he graduated from university. He explains why he was drawn to work in the Kubuti Desert. 
I love my job here as a botany graduate. My major is also my hobby. I'm also very happy to do something for my hometown with what I learned at university. That's something very meaningful for me. Working here is very appealing for young people. Most of my colleagues at our research center were born in the 1980s and 1990s. Most of us have the same goal, which is to make our hometown better. Meanwhile, we've got decent pay here. Li Xiangru says he has gained a lot from his time here. In this place, I've got a lot of life. I've got my career, my love, my family, and also my hobbies. They are all in Kabuchi. Making Kabuchi a better place to live is my goal. His wife Yuan Qin is his colleague. She's working at the research center on soil improvement. Together, my husband and I can witness our homeland improve. So I feel happy. We hope to make some technological innovations together for our homeland. A better homeland will make our family better too. Our child will gain a better environment from our work together. Speaking about their young son, Li Xiangru says the kid is more fortunate than they were. Compared to 30 years ago, our kid is much happier than we were. Our ecological environment has greatly improved over the past three decades. When we were kids, we were haunted by sand every day. But when my kid was born, he was in a beautiful place with fresh air. This couple, part of the fourth generation of Kubuti's desert control warriors, says the desert oasis has become a place where many young people can fulfill their dreams. Forty percent of their colleagues are below the age of 28. Nowadays, previous generations still keep working on desert control. As the fourth generation, we will seize their relay baton and carry it on. Li's predecessor Wang Wenbiao, who is the founder of Eline, was awarded the Green Industry Lifetime Achievement Award by the United Nations. In 2019, the 60-year-old reached retirement age. I may retire, but I won't stop working. I'll keep working on the desert. For China Plus, I'm Zhang Wan.